in this current mashup of seasons, Samhain, the ancient pagan Celtic harvest festival, is swept up into the Christianized triple whammy of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. And those are all rolled up into our expanding contemporary secular Halloween. So because of these holidays, it is right to talk about death. Last weekend, four complete graveyards turned up on lawns within the block where I walk my dog. (laughs) They not only have a full crop of tombstones, but are surrounded by black scalloped picket fences and skeletons starting to emerge out of the lawn. I cannot avoid considering my mortality, the mortality of my neighbors, each time I stroll around the block. And then I get to thinking about, well, what happens after we all die? Unitarian Universalists are not ones for discussing the afterlife. We emphasize the present moment as a certainty and are wary of religious speculations about an afterlife. We view them as literary imaginings hopeful comforts, cultic tools of manipulation, or simply madness. Yet, the afterlife is exactly what I want to explore with you today. So stay with me. I'm not leading you down a convert's path. (laughs) I want us to seriously consider the what-if scenario from today's first reading. So let me repeat the question we heard. Suppose you knew that although you would live a long life and die peacefully in your sleep, the earth and all its inhabitants would be destroyed 30 days after your death in a collision with a giant asteroid. So how would this knowledge affect you? The question is phrased so that we don't have to worry about our own death, We're assured a long life and an uncomplicated, painless death. The focus of the question becomes the second part, where the world does not survive after you. So what I want us to do is to take a few moments to ponder this possibility. I'm going to repeat the question, but I'm going to ask you to turn to a neighbor, make sure no one's alone, and discuss it for about a minute. Minute. Let's make sure that no one's left out. And most of all, there's no right or wrong answer. So again, find a neighbor, find someone to talk to. Chris, I'll come talk to you. <laughs> so again, the question is, suppose you knew that you would live a long life. So do you think I can wrangle you back in? Come on back. (laughs) Well, that was interesting. How did you all get along discussing this possibility? (laughs) Marvelous, someone said. (laughs) 
Well, the man who poses this question is Samuel Scheffler. And Professor Scheffler wrote a New York Times article and blog last month, The Importance of the Afterlife. Seriously. And Scheffler is not a Christian theologian and makes clear he doesn't believe in the traditional religious definitions of the afterlife. He's a philosopher examining our fear of death as well as our hopes to live on in the memories of others. So Scheffler predicts we will find his apocalyptic end-of-the-world scenario quite disturbing and distressing. Is that how you experienced it? Yes, no, we are a motley bunch. (laughs) He imagines that we will not be indifferent to it, even though we would not have to experience the destruction of the earth. Few of us will say, I'll already be dead, who cares what happens after that? Imagining the total destruction of the earth may be more terrifying than picturing our own deaths. I'm not trying to frighten or depress us, but have us consider how the knowledge the world ends soon after our own death affects what we would do in the present moment. And we Unitarian Universalists are all about the present moment. Scheffler predicts that there would be no motivation for finding the cure for cancer or for finishing any works of art or ensuring the quality of any engineering. Why bother working to bring about social or political change if the world is about to end? So the point of the exercise is to see how the future existence of people People we do not even know matters more to us in some important ways than the survival of ourselves and those we love. The continuation of the world after our death impacts our behavior and choices during our lifetime. A working definition of the afterlife is our expectation that not only our families, but everyone and everything will continue beyond our own deaths. This afterlife matters. The events that happen after our own deaths matter to us. Things that, other than our own experiences, matter to us. So to refine our discussion of the afterlife, let's consider another hypothetical situation from Scheffler. Here's a second question he asks. Suppose humanity has become infertile, with no recorded birth having occurred in over 25 years. Imagine that you found yourself living in such circumstances. Nobody now alive is younger than 25. The disappearance of the human race is imminent as an aging population inexorably fades away. 
how would you react? The crux of this question is the knowledge the human race is in the process of dying out. It does not mean the destruction of family, friends, or even strangers, as in the first question. We're not discussing how to solve or fix this problem of infertility, but to look at our own responses to the inevitable demise of humanity, including ourselves. So let's turn again to our neighbors. I'll give you a few minutes to express your ideas and listen to others. And the question is, suppose humanity has become infertile, no recorded births for 25 years, you find yourself in this circumstances, and nobody now alive is younger than 25. The disappearance of the human race is imminent. How would you react? Okay, I pressed my luck trying to get you to come back once. I'm going to try to get you back a second time. So how'd you get along with this question? (laughs) Did this uh, different afterlife change your responses? Me too. Turning back to our philosopher Scheffler, he imagines a world filled with widespread apathy, social instability, and despair. The knowledge that no new people would come into existence makes many things seem pointless. Our conception of human life relies on the understanding of our lives occupying a place in ongoing human history, in the enduring chain of lives and generations. So broadening our definition of afterlife we can include the immense value of the creation of new life. It matters deeply the world carries on without us. It matters deeply the future is filled with new life and new possibilities. Our daily purpose and values are linked to this afterlife. And Schiffler thinks humanity may not be as narcissistic or self-interested as psychologists imagine. Our capacity to find purpose and value in life depends on what we expect to happen to others after our death. We depend on the generations of strangers who come after us to assist us in leading flourishing lives in the present. So virtually everyone depends on the future existence of strangers. So we can extrapolate from the impact of an afterlife on us as individuals to the impact for our collective selves as a church. We can ask how our purposes and values are focused and driven by this notion of an afterlife. 
I have no doubt the Hope Church of today depends on the future existence of strangers, which is why we emphasize hospitality to newcomers, devote energy and, re- and resources to children's religious education, and bother to have introductory classes about the church and Unitarian Universalism. Now, because the world is broken in so many ways, this church has many causes and directions it can take to facilitate much-needed change. We can inspire personal and congregational transformations around many of today's vital issues. But we have to pick and choose to be most effective. So to find direction, one question that we all can ask ourselves is, what brought me to Hope Church? Another question is, what keeps me coming back? And the answers to these two simple questions help us focus together on our most pressing theological and ethical values. For example, if coming to this oasis of nature and beauty is healing, then our afterlife drives our congregation to work together in this project of having the church formally designated as a green sanctuary. For example, if the world was going to be destroyed soon, or if humanity was going to phase itself out due to infertility, then investing our time and energy learning how to live with a smaller energy footprint would be silly. We would not need to help all ages learn about recycling and sustainable food production. Who would care if healthy stewardship and beautification of our hill took place. Instead, learning, and, learning about and helping with our Green Sanctuary Project supports our values based on afterlife. Becoming a Green Sanctuary is not an end in itself, but a beginning. It's the push for gaining momentum to consistently ask whether a choice or a decision supports the afterlife and its ongoing chain of generations. We want them to cherish and enjoy these acres, this city, this world that we are in. And we become certified by demonstrating on every level of church life that we wish to adopt practices that honor and sustain the earth and all beings. We commit to environmental justice. The scope of the green sanctuary work will ensure our hill continues to spiritually, emotionally, and physically nourish strangers. We will never know. So thanks to these recurring fall holidays, we become reacquainted with our mortality 
And thanks to a notion of an afterlife, we know to look beyond our lifetime for meaning. For us to lead value-laden lives, it is necessary that we ourselves should die and that others should live. This death and birth cycle is the lesson embedded in our woods, in nature. It is the healing power of walking along our paths. It's the driving force behind our green sanctuary work. Many others will come after us, and our task is to keep this hill ready and available for them. May it be so.